Amen? So let me give you a, a few things that the world says on how, to, or, or how the world says to deal with stress. You know, I've, I've learned over the last several years that, that the world doesn't know what they're talking about. Culture doesn't know what it's talking about. Hollywood doesn't know what it's talking about. Because when you listen to the culture and you listen to this world, it says, if you're stressed out, you just need to go find, finance a vacation that you can't afford and take some time off. Which is all good. Ten grand, you could probably get to Hawaii. You and your wife could get to Hawaii. And that's great. And for the first six, five or six days, you're going to have a great time. But come around day six and seven, you're going to be thinking about, we got to go home. And now we got to pay for this thing because we put it on a credit card. What happens to the stress-free weekend? The world says to finance your stress away. It says to buy something to make you feel better. Take this new medication to help relieve stress. What about this one? Drink this beverage to let it all go. Like you never wake up with stress. Start a new adventure with somebody new to distract you from your stress. If you're unsatisfied with your spouse, get another one. That doesn't cause stress. Right? Just because the grass is greener on the other side doesn't mean you're not going to go through something to get there. There's usually a fence in between. Just saying. But that's what the world says. Most of these things, not all of them, especially not the last one, I've tried. (laughs) Just a little disclaimer. Uh, I wouldn't be here if I did try the last one. Uh, But they've left me empty and they've left me void. And they've never brought lasting peace. So let me give you some causes of stress. Some of you might find some of these funny. Money can be a cause of stress. The lack thereof or poor management of money can cause stress. Marriage can cause stress. Some of you want to go, yeah, my stress is sitting right next to me this morning. Don't say that. It may cause more stress. Marriage can cause stress if it's not if it's not proper and it's not healthy, deadlines can cause stress. Illnesses can cause stress. Parenting can cause stress. And if you think you're stressing and they're still in diapers, you ain't stressing yet. Right? Come on. When they drive out the driveway the first time with their own license, that's real stress. Get you some of that. Change your prayer life. Uh, unrealistic expectations that you put on yourself or or others put on you, unresolved sin, relationships, all cause stress. But here's a secret. I can't take all of them away. Here's another secret. God's not going to take all of them away. Some of them are just life. Your tires are going to bald and you're going to have to replace them. Your battery's going to go dead and you're going to have to replace it. Your air conditioning's going to break in August when you don't have enough money to replace it. That is life. It's going to happen. The Bible even promises that. Watch this in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus speaking, he said, I told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Say in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So the one who has overcome the world with its trials and sorrows is saying to us, find peace in me. What does that mean? That means find your peace in your relationship with me. 
If you only, the only way you're ever going to find real lasting peace is in your relationship with Jesus. That's the only place you'll ever find it. You can't find it anywhere else. It's not going to happen. Not lasting peace. Not the kind of peace that can walk through a stressful circumstance and still remain peaceful. Ain't going to happen. Jesus is saying, you're going to find it in me. He never promised that we wouldn't have trouble or difficulties. In fact, he he didn't make the promise that once you give your life to me, (laughs) it's going to get worse. Anybody want to make a decision to follow Jesus today? So God's not working to produce, not, God's not, not at work producing the circumstances I want. He's at work in my circumstances producing the me that he wants. I pray for God to change my circumstances all the time. And every once in a while he does. But for the most part, he doesn't. And I've gotten over getting mad at him. You know why? Because he takes that circumstance that I'm walking through and he uses it to produce the me that he wants, not the me that I want. Right? Because me, I don't want any trials. I don't want any sorrows. I want to eat bluebell and not put on any weight. That's what I want. Can I get an amen? So I believe that God's wanting us to find peace in Jesus in the midst of your current circumstances. Psalms 34, 19 says this, the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Righteous people will face troubles. If somebody lied to you and said that when you gave your life to Jesus, all your problems were going to go away, I'm sorry, but they lied to you. Jesus says, the word of God says that when you give your life to Christ, troubles come in your way. In fact, it's probably going to amp up and come at you a little bit harder, right? So let me give you two main stresses this morning. And I think if we can work on these, we can, we can accomplish some things. And there's some things that maybe we can change. The, the first main stress that we face is called time. Time, T-I-M-E, time. You know what I don't like about this season we're going into? I love everything but the time change. I mean, you can't do anything outside, right? You get off of work, it's dark. You wake up, it's dark. It's just dark times, right? But time, there's not enough time. There's never enough time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says this. Listen to this. Somebody, I think, even wrote a song about this. I heard it a long time ago. It says, for everything, there is a season. A time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather, scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Solomon is saying that there's times for everything. I believe the biggest problem we have is we spend too much time trying to do everything. Listen to me, you were not created to do 
everything. You were created to do what God wants you to do. Remember, his word says, I know the plans that I have for you. God has plans for you. When I think of that, I think of a rolled up blueprint that says, I've got plans for you. And all you need to focus on is what I've got for you. Not everything else. Right? Would you agree that most of us spend too much time on things we don't need to spend time on? I want to say something to you this morning. I want you to hear me clearly. And I want you to look at me. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. You're doing too much of the wrong things. You're doing too many good things and not enough God things. You got to remember that God puts you on this planet for a purpose and a reason. It's temporary. This is not your permanent situation. The Bible says you're a citizen of heaven. You're on this earth just to do something for God, just to do what God wants you to do. He's got a plan and a purpose. That purpose is to build his kingdom, to populate heaven and to deplete hell. That's what his purpose is. And so if we'll be busy about doing the God things and not so many of the good things, our stress levels will go down and we'll get rewarded and we'll feel fulfilled because we're doing what God wants us to do and not what we want to do. Good place for an amen. I wonder, I wonder if Satan's newest attack or Satan's newest scheme for us is to not get us to be bad, but to get us to be busy. Because if you think about it, busy can be worse than bad. Too busy to love your neighbor as yourself. Too busy to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Too busy. Too busy. I wonder if that's his latest scheme for us. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says this, But it is better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. Get this, you've been given, every one of us has been given 24 hours in a day. Everybody's been allotted 24 hours. Everybody gets 24 hours. You get to spend it like you want, right? You've got 24 hours. I've got 24 hours. She's going to spend her, her 24 hours differently than I'm going to spend mine. What I do with my 24 hours today is going to matter for eternity, It's going to matter when I stand before God one day and the judgment seat, the believer's judgment. When I stand before God one day, he's going to hold me accountable for how I spent my 24 hours. And I can choose to spend them my way or I can choose to spend them his way. Yeah, but pastor, you know what I mean, man? We got to work. You know what I mean? I got this job. You know, I got to put food on the table. Come on, but what do you mean? God doesn't want me to work. No, God wants you to work. In fact, you have the job that you have because there's people there that he wants you to reach. You get 10 hours where people are paid to hang out with you. 10 hours, you're getting paid to preach the gospel. That's a good way to look at it. What if we started tomorrow by asking God, how do you you think I should spend my time today? 
How would that change? What would that change for you if you spend, if you woke up in the morning and you said, God, how do you want me to spend today? How would that be different? Listen to what Proverbs says in, ver- in chapter 16, verse 1 and 3. It says this, we can make our plans, but the Lord gives us the right answer. Watch this one. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. If you'll take your plans for the day and if you'll, if you'll go and lay them at his feet and say, hey, Lord, this is what I'm thinking about doing today. What do you think about it? I just want to submit this to you. The Bible says that if you do that and you listen to what he says, you're going to succeed. How many of you want to succeed? Every day you want to be successful. Come on. Okay, one third of the church. I mean, what the heck? I'm like, Lord Jesus. (laughs) I want to be successful every day. I want my days to count. I want them to matter. So one of the first main stresses is time that just never seems to be enough. But you know what's funny, though, is when I when I do that, when I actually apply that to my life, I wake up in the morning and I say, Lord, I'm just submitting myself to you. Father, how, what would you want me to do today? You know what happens to time? It doesn't seem to slip away as bad. It seems to be more purposeful. It seems to be more ordained. It actually seems to be anointed. That's a clue. If I'll submit my ways to God, maybe he'll pour out his anointing on me, which is his power to do what I can't do in the natural. (laughs) I might just see a miracle today. Second main stress is money. Money. Oh, that money. (laughs) Proverbs 23, 5 says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Mm. I'm 42 years old. I'm just starting to learn that lesson. I've been a knucklehead my whole life. Killing myself to try and make a dollar. Be wise enough to know when to quit. There's ever going to be a source of stress in your life. It's going to be money. Truth is, though, we got to have money, right? Look at me. You got to have money, right? We got to have money. We just can't let money have us. You see, you need to flip the way you think about money. Some of you give money too much priority. Some of you put money in too high of a pedestal. Money is a tool. Period. It is a tool. It has no moral value. It has no character. It has no integrity. It has no feelings. If you tell money what to do, it's not going to get sad. It's not going to cry. It's actually going to do what you tell it to do. Amen? You can't let money have you because money stresses us out. Dave Ramsey says that, that we have to tell our money what to do instead of our money telling us what we can or cannot do. We need to position ourselves with our finances, learn how to say no now so that we can say yes later so that we can get some financial peace and some of the stress will go away. Listen, when your bills are paid off, 
Okay, close your eyes. Real quick, just close your eyes. I'm not going to do anything freaky or weird. Just close your eyes. Imagine everything's paid off. What would you do? Party! Woo! Right? I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to have some fun, right? Because I don't have this stress. I don't have this weight on me. You know what's crazy is most men, we think about money every now and then. But most women, they freak out about money most of the time. Did you know this, that women have a special gland in their side that when the checking account gets too low, this gland lets off a chemical that makes them freak out. And they get all crazy. No, seriously, it's a gland. It's called the savings gland. When you have nothing in savings, that this thing's putting out some chemicals and she's going crazy. And you can't figure it out. The man's like, well, what's wrong? We're just going to make some more money. We don't have the gland. Women find security in money. Making sense so far? Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's a great, great couple of verses right here. Chapter 6, starting in verse 6. Watch this. Paul speaking, he says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. So what is great wealth according to the Bible? Godliness with contentment. Think of it like this. Steak with a side of potatoes. Okay, everybody's going to remember that. Godliness with a side of contentment. Come on, somebody. Right? That is great wealth. That's what the Bible says. That's what God inspired a man to say is that great wealth is godliness with contentment. So let me break this down for you. Godliness is when you don't let the things of the world possess you anymore and you're free from them. That's called godliness. Contentment is when you know who you are in God and you don't have to impress nobody else. You don't have to take what the world has to offer because you've already got everything in heaven. That's contentment. Do you know that the Bible said that when you give your life to Jesus, you were adopted into God's family? So I want to put this in a perspective that we can understand. We've been adopted into God's family. That means you moved out of your house and you moved into God's house. It's the best neighborhood you can live in. It's God's house. Everything you need is in God's house. He don't go shopping. It's already there. It's in God's house. You've been adopted into his family. And the Bible even says this, that everything that Jesus can have, you can have. In Romans 8, it says that we are joint heirs. That means together with Jesus, we're going to inherit everything that God has for us. If if I'm running a little short on healing, it's in God's house. If I'm running short on some provisions, it's in God's house. When you get this, all of a sudden you get content and you start looking at the things of the world and you go, that's just secondhand junk. But the problem is, is we're freaking out and stressing out trying to get some more junk to improve, to impress people. And we don't even know. Ford came out with the new F-250. I'm going to speak your language for a minute. Ford just released the new F-250. The finest truck on the planet. Get you some of that. The finest, right, Sean? 
Sean, Sean drove them before they were even released. Tormented me with all kind of videos. Watch this. There's a guy, got a shop, right over there, right next to O'Reilly's. And there's two brand spanking new Ford F-250, three-quarter tons, loaded to the gills. They're jacked up, got these big old wheels on them, all these accessories. And I come to work here during the week. When I go to leave, I stay at the stop sign for a while, just kind of like, And that's sweet. People behind me, bah, bah, bah. I'm like, time out. Just, just chill out. And those things are great. And, and let me just be honest with you. Those things appeal to me. I'm just, I'm just being real. My truck's paid for. I'll go finance one in a heartbeat if I didn't have any self-control. <laughs> but watch this. When you understand what you have, now that you're a part of God's family, you look at stuff like that and you go, eh, secondhand junk. Yes, I said it. Doug, I said it. Secondhand junk. You know why? Because what the Father has for me is so much greater than anything the world can ever offer me. Yeah, but Pastor, they look so good. I know, trust me. I like some. So great wealth is godliness with contentment. Contentment only comes when you're satisfied with who you are in God. You got to get this. So let me ask you a question. Who are you? If I asked you that question point blank and you had to answer me, what would your response be? Well, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm Joe Blow. Okay, Joe Blow. Who's Joe Blow? Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a husband. Oh, great. Okay. I'm a daddy. Okay. I'm an employee. Okay. But that's, that's not who you are. You're God's child first. And everything else flows out of you being God's child. So when someone says, who are you? I'm God's child. I'm not trying to be religious. I'm just trying to be real. I'm God's child. What does that mean? That means that everything God has is mine. He adopted me into his family. I'm content if I don't get the latest truck, if I don't get this and I don't get that. So what? I'm content. And the Bible says that that is great wealth. I wonder why is that? It, I wonder why it's great wealth. Maybe it's because the stress levels go down when you realize who you are and what you need and you don't need. I wonder if that's wealth. I would sure love to not have any stress in my life. Come on, somebody. The, 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 brutal, the brutal truth is I only get moments of no stress. For some of you moms, the only stress-free time you get is when you go to the bathroom. No, not really? Okay. I was trying. Yeah, because they'll hunt you down in the bathroom. You're right. I remember my kids. Mama, can I just go to the bathroom by myself? My wife never did that. Great wealth. After all, we brought nothing in, nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. Heard a story one day. This guy was very wealthy, and he was he was pretty much a, a prude. He would 
he would save all the money and he wouldn't give his wife any money. And they spent their whole life like that. And this dude, was, he was stacked. I mean, he had some money. And so he got sick and he was getting ready to die. And he looked at his wife and he says, hey, there's one thing I want you to do. And you've got to promise me this. And she was like, okay, what? He was like, I want to be buried with all my money. You know, and she's sitting there thinking, you got to be kidding me. Been a tightwad your whole life, didn't give me nothing, can't get a new dress or a new pair of shoes, and you're going to die with your money. So she appeased him. She said, okay, I'll put all your money into the casket when you die. Well, it came that time, and he died, and she wrote him a check. <laughs> put it in his, in his casket, and she said, enjoy your money. <laughs> right? <laughs> You ain't going to take it with you when you go. You can't pull a U-Haul behind the hearse. It just ain't going to work. You hear me? You came into this world with nothing, and you're going to go out of it with nothing. Your reward is where? Just trying to help. Verse 8, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. People that long to be rich. You know what it means to long to be rich? It means that's the only thing you think about. It's the only thing that possesses your mind. It's constantly, how can I make more? How can I make more? How can I make more? Be careful, the Bible's saying, because if that's what you're doing, then it's going to lead you off into a trap that's going to bring you to destruction. Amen? Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I can't tell you how many people I know who don't have a relationship with their father because he was too busy working. He was too busy making money. And for a man, that means a lot. Because when men see money and men make money, it's like a scoreboard. We want to see how many points we can get on the board. And we work hard for that. And there's nothing wrong with working hard for money. But when you don't know when to quit and you don't know when to stop and you lose everything in its path, everything that God's really blessed you with, countless friends that don't have a relationship with their father because he didn't know when to quit. He didn't know when to quit. Last week, I'd been dodging Ethan for a while. He'd been wanting me to play basketball. And honestly, I don't feel like playing basketball. I don't want to sweat. I came home, and he's outside. He's like, hey, Dad, shoot basketball with me. I grabbed my briefcase. I said, no, I got to go take care of some business. And I got just about to the steps, and the Holy Spirit said, really? How many times are you going to put him off? I said, okay, I'm coming. And after the first game to 10, I needed oxygen. And I thought I did my deed, and Anna came outside. I want to play. So I had to go two games. Third game, I sat out on the ice chest. I don't want to lose that. But let me tell you something. I understand that it's easy to run past it. It's easy to run past them. But you only got them for about 18 years. 
You better enjoy them while you can. Better raise them the best you can. Spend time with them. Love on them. I'm preaching to myself. Many people have been pulled away by chasing money. The greatest thing you can give your kids is not a fat checking account. It's a great marriage and a great relationship. Is the greatest gift you can give your kids. It's good to have money for them. It's good to have to be wise and have them set up. There's nothing wrong with that. But the greater gift is to have a, a great relationship with them. <clears throat> Making sense? But, man, we get tied up into things. And, man, everywhere you turn, somebody's asking for money. Somebody's wanting you to do this and do that. The credit card company commercials. You can have it all and you can have it now. You know, the credit card companies is some of the most vicious companies in the world. Do you know that your daughter can go and buy a, a, a doll set? I think it's Barbie. I'm not sure. But they can buy a doll set that comes like you can get like this shopping Barbie. I heard this in a financial peace class. I've never shopped for one, just confessing. You can buy a Barbie shopping doll, and she comes with a credit card and a machine. Because the credit card companies figured it out a long time ago. If I can get you used to swiping a credit card when you're a kid, when you get older, it's going to be natural. Credit card companies don't like Dora the Explorer because she says swipe or no swiping. They want you to swipe. Y'all caught that? I got it. That was good. It's alligator humor. They want they want to they want to get you when you're young. The Americans today, the age group of Americans today that are in the most debt are college students. When you go to apply to a college, there's credit card companies there ready to hand you out some plastic, baby. We're gonna finance your future. And what's crazy is we buy into that, right? And we start buying stuff that we don't need to impress people that we don't know. It's almost like you're financing your reputation. Let me put it to you this way. When Rogaine came out, I was losing my hair. I was desperately trying to hang on to my hair. So I was up late one night. Don't do this. Don't watch infomercials late at night. They'll mess you all up. I'm watching this Rogaine infomercial. I'm like... That's pretty cool. I could get my hair back. Only fifty nine ninety nine. Like wow. So I went to Walmart and I was getting ready to buy some Rogram. Just just being honest, some Rogaine. I grabbed the box and I started reading. And it said, "Once you quit using, you may experience hair loss again." And this light bulb went off. And the light bulb said, "Do you really want to finance your hair?" And I was like, I'm shaving. I'm done. I'm not finding. I'm not paying a monthly note on my hair. Come on, somebody. Right? But some of us pay monthly notes on our reputation. Right? And I understand the temptation. My mama was a shop to your drop kind of woman, and I picked up all of her bad habits. But I understand. But man, we got to start asking questions differently. Instead of asking, can we do this? We may need to start asking, is this wise? Is this wise? (laughs) 
There's two topics I've been teaching on a lot lately outside of a Sunday service. One of the topics is, is FPU, Financial Peace University. Uh, I believe in it. The first life group we ever brought through FPU, we paid off over $100,000 in debt in nine weeks. It's phenomenal. Nine weeks. The second one we didn't quite do as well. <laughs> you want me to tell you why? Because it was older people in that, that next group. The first group was younger people. They were less set in their ways. They were less comfortable. They were less, they were ready. And, and honestly, when you start younger, there's more to gain. But the older crowd and the second group, a lot of them were just set in their ways. They didn't want to change. And I understand that. I'm kind of part of that crowd. I don't want to change things. But I teach FPU. Why do you teach FPU, Pastor? Because God's church is strapped. The church in America is in bondage. We're up to our eyeballs in debt. If the church had all of its debt paid off, I'm talking about the people of God. If we had all of our debt paid off, we could be stronger than the government. We could be more resourceful than the government. We could do things to totally affect the whole world. But we can't because we're strapped. Do you know that only 20% of the people in a church tithe? That's the national average. 20, 20% of the people in the churches across America actually give back to God 10% that his word commands to give. So you have to ask the question, are they greedy? I don't believe they're greedy. I believe they're strapped. So that's why I teach FPU. The other, the other topic I teach is a Simbus course, and it's for premarital counseling, and it's for married couples. And I've seen phenomenal results I'm taking a new couple through it right now, and I'm just going, man, this is incredible. We had our first session, and they're getting to start their marriage off with something that I never got. And so I sit here, and they walked out of the first meeting we had, and we accomplished. We gained some ground, and I just went. I, just, I was like, devil, get you some of that. Mess with them. They're starting off right. Why, why do you do that? Because the enemy is after our marriages. I believe it's important. So let me wrap it up with this. How do we find peace in stress? John 16, 33. I want to go back to that verse. I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Keep your position, your priority. You're a child of God. You don't need what the world has to offer. Here's the next thing. Take a Sabbath. You want to deal with your stress? Take a Sabbath. What does that mean, Pastor? A Sabbath is keeping a day holy. God in seven days or in six days created the world and everything that we know in it. On day seven, the Bible says that God himself rested. And then he turned around and said to us, you need to rest on the seventh day. And we call it a Sabbath. That means that you don't go outside and work. Some of you are going to have a real hard time with this today. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have went to church. Some of you are going to love that I'm saying this today. Because I'm getting ready to tell you, you need to go home and take a nap. See, they were way more excited in the first service. This one guy was like half asleep over here. I said, you need to go home and take a nap. He went, yes, Lord, yes. I was like, I'm not kidding. He did that. 
I'm like, man, your wife must be beating you from not taking a nap. I mean, it's like, let the brother sleep. Go home and take a nap. Rest. I want you to do three things on the Sabbath. Number one, evaluate. Evaluate what you've been doing. Think about what you've been doing. Have you been doing good things and using up all your time doing good things? Or have you been spending your time doing God things? Because not every good thing is a God thing. Amen? Evaluate how things have been going. Evaluate how your family's going. Evaluate how your relationship with your children is and your wife or your husband. Evaluate those things. The next thing I want you to do is to eliminate. Ephesians 5.15 says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but rather like those who are wise. Start asking, is this wise? If there's some things that you're doing that you need to quit doing, then quit them. I, I, I challenge you guys to go home and say, say to your wife, am I working too much? <laughs> and then listen to what she got to say. Don't just hit her on the fly. Am I working too much? <laughs> am I working too much? Am I doing too much? <laughs> She'll tell you. Right? The last one is this, enjoy. Awesome verse, Proverbs 17, 22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Have fun and laugh. Let your hair down if you got it. Have fun. Go home. Get on the floor with your kids if you got little kids. You'll get back up. It may take a little while, but you'll get back up off the floor. But go have fun with your kids. Do something they want to do. Take a nap, but not too long. Wake up and go take a walk. Work on your marriage. Sit on the swing. Talk to your wife or your husband. Maybe rent a movie and have a family night. Take advantage of the Sabbath. Have fun. The Bible says the laughter is like a good medicine. The last thing, slow down. Slow down. You don't have to get it all done today. And let me tell you something, I'm preaching to myself. I've always wanted to get as much as I can get done in one day and be prideful about it. And turn around and say, I got all this and that done today. Yeah, but what'd you really gain? 